biggest guy came over who was pretty terrifying. He comes up and he's like, hey, kid, you want a job? So I was like, <laughs> too afraid to even say no at the time. I was looking up at him. He had tattoos all over his face. And I was like, sure, I'll have it. I'll take the job. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. He remains the fallout boy to my radioactive man, the voice of NXT, Mr. Vic Joseph. Vic, what's the good word, my friend? Well, I'm glad I didn't get fired after last week when you threw a call to the wild to uh, remove me from the show, but at least one person on social media stood up and said, please do not fire Vic Joseph. Don't know who they were, but I do appreciate the tweet. I completely forgot to have you fired, so that'll be taken care of after this episode. So enjoy this last one while you're still here. Expected nothing less. But at least it's a good one, Vic. We've got good news to bring to the people, to the ATB faithful, to the WWE universe. The announcement was made on NBC during the Belmont Stakes. SummerSlam is going big this year. Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas, Nevada, the first time ever. SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer. Your vacation destination will be held in an NFL stadium. Vic, it doesn't get much bigger than this. Not only that, it's being held on a Saturday, which is unique in its own right. I mean, this is awesome to me. I always loved, before coming to WWE, being able to go into those football stadiums, whether it was Ford Field for WrestleMania or it was for my first WrestleMania with the company, WrestleMania in Orlando. I mean, it was just so cool to be in that sort of environment. Raymond James Stadium was something for WrestleMania, and we've talked about that. I think it's going to be a whole new world that's going to open up in Vegas this summer in August. I was super excited to hear that announcement because, of course, Vegas is one of my favorite destinations in America. No doubt about it. Everybody heads to Vegas for the same reason, to party their faces off. Why not be part of the biggest WWE event of the summer? It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see how the card shapes up over the next several months. But get this, Vic. It's not just about hyping that it's happening. We've got something extremely special for the ATB listeners. Isn't that right? Yes, it is. And this is something that's cool for us to be able to give back to those that listen every single week. ATB faithful, we have a very special treat for you this week. SummerSlam will be at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas on Saturday, August 21st. The first time SummerSlam will be held in an NFL stadium. Tickets go on sale to the general public for this massive event on Friday, June 18th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. But because we love you, the ATB listeners, so much, you can get your hands on tickets a full day early. Our ATB exclusive pre-sale offer starts Thursday, June 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. All you have to do is log into Ticketmaster.com and use the password ATB. That's right. Just log into Ticketmaster.com on Thursday, June 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Use the password ATB. You can get your tickets to SummerSlam at Allegiant Stadium through our exclusive pre-sale offer. You're welcome. Thank you. Not you specifically, Vic. I mean, I was more so referring to oh. listeners who can benefit yeah, by yeah, being yeah. able to purchase SummerSlam tickets a day early. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And, and use the passwords we mentioned, and it's always cool for me for SummerSlam. You're going to be there live in Vegas. SummerSlam, to me, is very meaningful. It was one of the first huge pay-per-view events, one of the biggest events that we do that I was part of. And I got to sit with you, Corey, to call a match. You've always been there for all my firsts. I really am like your wingman in life. You're my life wingman. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to switch my profile to that on all my social medias. Corey, Corey Graves, Graves wingman. wingman. Perfect. That's my new title. Well, you better be at the top of your game when we get to Vegas for SummerSlam. <laughs> it's going to be off the charts. I can't help but immediately think and draw comparisons to 1992 Wembley Stadium SummerSlam. One of the most awesome events. Blew my mind just visually as a kid. And now we've gotten a little spoiled recently in recent history with WWE doing baseball stadiums for the Royal Rumble. Obviously, WrestleMania been a stadium show for some time now. But now to have SummerSlam breathe that same rarefied air, I think it is going to be enormous. It is going to be awesome. I am genuinely fired up about it. One thing I want to talk about and is a huge event coming up actually Sunday, NXT TakeOver in your house. Another thing that's very near and dear to my heart because I've never been part of in your house before. And it was always, looking back, man, it was always one of my favorite events as a kid. They came out of a house. They came out of the garage. Shawn Michaels flying down from the roof. The matches that had happened in your house holds a special part, I think, in all 90s kids' heart and soul if you're a wrestling fan. In Your House was really the beginning of the monthly pay-per-view system for WWE. Prior to that, you had your Royal Rumble, your WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, the big four as we refer to them internally. Uh, But In Your House started kind of creeping along, and it was every month. And I remember my dad just going, oh, my God, now I have to buy pay-per-views every month. But yes, Dad, that's exactly what this means. Uh, And now here we are. And now it's become a nostalgia point, which is kind of crazy. I remember... um Beware of Dog is one of the In Your House names that sticks out to me. And then it wasn't just like In Your House. That was, that was Bulldog two. versus Shawn Michael. Or I'm sorry, was it Bulldog versus Shawn or Bulldog versus Brett again? I think it was I think it was Bulldog versus Shawn, but I could be wrong on that. That's why we have Dan and, and the guys back there Googling information for us. But there was like International Incident, and they had all these wild names to them, Bad Blood for the first Hell in a Cell. And those were always cool to see what the name of the In Your House was was going to be. Bulldog and Shawn. It was Bulldog and Sean. Bulldog Thank and you, Sean. Dan. Thank you. And, and while we're at it, while we're on the topic, shout out to Dan and Alex for last week helping us with our conversation of revisionist history. What mm-hmm. if the Montreal screw job never happened? Vic, I know you're a big social media guy. You keep your thumb on the pulse of all things ATB. What was the feedback you got? A lot of people had all sorts of like wild other theories of the and, butterfly and, effect was the yeah, term I kept it, seeing because we brought that forward and it just kind of really opened everybody's imagination. I had an absolute blast last week. I, I did too. And I think it was the feedback I got was it was, it was fun. And it was a, uh, it was fun for listeners to be able to play the what if scenario. And as we keep sometimes saying, rebook the territories, you know, and be able to look at all these different matches that could have happened. You know, I think that was the one thing that I caught the most on social media was, Oh, we could have had, Brett Edge and Edge's prime and and those sites, a type of what ifs and future WrestleMania matches. So it was definitely a fun segment. Again, as Corey, you just said, thanks to Dan. Thanks to Alex for uh, taking part. Well, we're talking about last week's episode where we imagined what didn't happen. We do know for a fact to your previous point in your house, NXT takeover this coming Sunday, streaming live on the WWE network on Peacock. Let's break this thing down, Vic. What are you looking forward to most? I think as a uh, fan, man, Ted DiBiase coming out, putting back out the million-dollar championship, L.A. Knight, Cameron Grimes, a, a golden ladder. Uh, for instance, I never thought in my wildest dreams that I'd ever be sitting here getting ready to say I'm calling a championship. That's the million-dollar championship. So that that's really cool for me as a, as a fan of professional wrestling. The one match that's unique – that stands out to me, though, is the winner-take-all six-man 
tag team match. You have Bronson Reed, who was just on the show, MSK. They have the North American and NXT tag team titles, respectively, going up against Santos Escobar, who some could say has probably been one of the best performers in the company over the last year, along with Wild and Mendoza, Legado del Fantasma. Winner take all, I think it's a very unique stipulation and you've caught a lot of more of those type of matches than I have, but I don't even think you've been in a situation where it's been literally winner take all. Well, there've been winner take all matches. Obviously first thing that comes to mind to me is, is the main event of WrestleMania a few years back, Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair. But to your point to have two separate championships defended simultaneously, all the gold on one side right now could very well end up in the hands of Legato del Fantasma. We talked about it a few weeks ago when we had him on the show. I'm a big Bronson Reed fan. I'm starting to get into MSK and what they bring to the table. But on the other side of the ring, to your point, during the pandemic era, which this will always be you know, referred to as in the future, uh, Santos Escobar really caught the attention of a lot of people, myself included. Here's a guy I had heard rumblings of. I knew of him when he arrived in NXT. But this dude, to me, is just money waiting to be made. Uh, Escobar and I've known I've known Joaquin Wild since he literally broke into the business. I, I was around when he was training, uh, so he's been a good friend of mine for for many moons. Mendoza has really really captivated the imagination of a lot of the the NXT fans. I could see this going either way, but I think you're going to be talking about this match the following week because I think all six of these guys are highly motivated, highly capable, and I think they're going to put something special on come in your house. Yeah, I think it's a very uh, fun match. And then, you know, we talk about, uh, we always say it's the best women's division in all of wrestling. And there's two matches that are highlighted on the card Sunday. One, Zia Lee making her first appearance on a takeover, taking on Mercedes Martinez and the whole Tian Shah mythical um, magic that surrounds them. And then you have a women's title match, Raquel Gonzalez, Ember Moon. And Ember Moon, to her credit, battled back from a career-threatening injury. Uh, had a very odd torn Achilles. I think she actually tore it in two places and then came back to NXT. So this is really the culmination of a long journey for her, which has been fun to see. And for Raquel Gonzalez, I mean, we talk about the big men in in NXT. She's a lot like out of the mold of a Rhea Ripley, just dominating. And who's going to be able to take her down? And and it's very... And what you just did, I'm going to cut you off here because what you just did is what I was afraid of, not just from you, but from a lot of the, the listeners, from the fans, don't compare Raquel Gonzalez to Rhea Ripley because they're big physical women. I think Gonzalez has the opportunity at In Your House to really solidify her place. She got the world's attention. She is the NXT Women's Champion. But to defeat somebody like Ember Moon, who's got the credentials, former NXT Women's Champion, spent her time on Raw and SmackDown, I think a dominant performance from Raquel will truly skyrocket her into the upper echelon where everybody goes, oh, she's for real. It was cool. It was a feel-good moment. It's a fresh face at the top of the mountain. But I think in dominant fashion, if Raquel comes out and runs through Ember in like five minutes, everyone's going to go, oh, man, Raquel Gonzalez is the genuine article. She's not the next Rhea Ripley. She's the first Raquel Gonzalez, and she's unlike anything else you're going to see on Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. I think this is a very, very important matchup for Raquel Gonzalez. I, I will agree with you to a point, but I'll also say if she does not come out and is not dominating – she will just be, oh, well, that's just Rhea Ripley, just with a different name. You're right. I mean, I can see that she she's just another big physical female who is talented, but I think it's of the utmost importance for Raquel to stand on her own two feet and just wipe out any comparisons, any potential comparisons to Rhea Ripley. Because when Rhea was doing her thing, all anybody talked about was Rhea Ripley. People weren't drawing comparisons. Oh, she reminds me of this. So she could be like that. It was 
man, Rhea Ripley, she's new and different and impressive and powerful. Okay, we like that. Give us more of that. I think Raquel has the physical talents and physical abilities to be even uh, more celebrated and more impressive uh, from bell to bell, obviously with a little more experience. But I think this is of the utmost importance for Raquel to dominate Sunday at In Your House. And on the other side of things, man, I am such a fan of Tian Sha and, and this whole mystical background and the mythology behind it and the mystery that I still don't know you know, what it is. <laughs> and I'm as guilty as anybody. I, I watch NXT in hindsight, uh, usually a day or two after it airs just because scheduling doesn't permit it. Um, but every time I've seen them show up on my screen, I'm captivated. It's like a movie, and it's like somehow it, it all draws comparisons to me from to Mortal Kombat, which I'm a fan of. And, and yes, it's different than everything else. And, and maybe it's some people are, are or not fans of the mythology and that aspect of it. To me, it's super cool. Yeah, I, I I like the whole aspect of it from a fan's perspective. Sitting there, I can tell you there have been points where I've been, you know, scared when you see Zaylee like, start going with kicks and they're flying all over the place and they get a little bit too close for comfort. But this is a chance now, as you just mentioned, for a global audience on a huge stage like TakeOver to really sink their teeth into Tian Sha and Xia Li. This is the first time that Xia Li has been on this sort of stage since the uh, Mae Young Classic. She's also competed in the Royal Rumble, but she's going to be able to stand kind of on her own two feet. So it's a very unique card with unique matches. Obviously, the main event is the Fatal Five-Way for the NXT Championship, which obviously we're going to talk a lot with our guest about that being Karrion Cross coming up here in just a few moments, who is the champion. But it's it's turning in almost to a whole weekend's worth of events because we got the global press conference that's going to uh, air Saturday at 11 a.m. on Peacock. Todd Pettengill to get back to the nostalgia factor. He's back in the mix as one of the hosts. There's the pre-show to take over. There's the pre-pre-show with Everize. There's another pre-pre-show with What's Next. I mean, there's a whole weekend's worth of events for NXT TakeOver in your house. And what are your thoughts on Todd Pettengill? Because I always loved him. What are my thoughts on how do you, how are you a fan of this business back to the age of Todd Pettengill and not remember him fondly? What a I, I've, I've, I've had the opportunity. I believe I met him at a, at a WrestleMania a year or two ago. Um, and he, friendly enough guy, but I would love to sit down and, and chop it up with him. I, I got to actually do Sean Mooney's podcast a couple of years ago. Sean Mooney, Sean another face Mooney. from that same, same sort of time frame, that sort of era. Great guy. I think it's cool. I think it's fun. If, if we're pushing the nostalgia button, let's go all in. Todd Pettengill showing up. I, I would love, you know, uh, just anything from that era. It's so much fun, even if they're little little Easter eggs, so to speak. And I think NXT's done such a cool job between the Great American Bash, now with In Your House, they, the last time they did the In Your House. Just little Easter eggs for everybody where if you know, you know. And it's sort of a love letter to to the fans and those that have been along this journey the entire time. Well, Todd Pettengill, of course, returning back WWE NXT with the global press conference this Saturday, 11 a.m. streaming live on Peacock. And, and man, there's one match we haven't really focused in on. It's the main event, the fatal five-way for the NXT championship, Karrion Cross, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly, all these combustible elements. I think it's going to be spectacular. I think you've got five of the top competitors, not only in NXT, but in the business, in my opinion, Gargano, former NXT champion, Pete Dunne and Kyle O'Reilly, both guys who would not look out of place at the top of the NXT mountain as the NXT champion. Two guys I'm a fan of. I have been for quite some time. But, dude, I don't see anybody knocking Karrion Cross off the top of the mountain. 
Well, Kyle O'Reilly really had a lot of great battles with Finn Balor that elevated him to your point. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually at a fault here because I have to remember Pete Dunne as the NXT UK champion and sure. where he put that title on the map for that brand, which has now been passed by Walter. But he has a championship pedigree as well, a former NXT champion. So those combustible elements, man, the, the promos these guys have had, the altercations, the physicality. I mean, it's been a wonder to watch as a fan sitting back and seeing all this chaos take place if there's anything that could be considered as close to a certainty as you can find in this business it's when it comes to in-ring action nxt takeover main event it never disappoints right no matter what even even there's been times where i'm like i don't know if this match is going to be that great it always over delivers and now you've upped the ante now you've got not two of the best you've got five of the best in one match i am so excited to see the creativity and the impact and these guys beat the living out of one another because we know for a fact that's going to happen. To your point, it's it's wild to think how does the bar always get elevated, you know, from takeover to takeover. The last takeover we had, one of the main events was EO versus Raquel for the right. championship. And that even surpassed expectations. Exactly. Exactly. Along with Cross Balor 1, which then led to Cross Balor 2, which now leads us to In Your House. So it's going to be very – I'm very lucky to be sitting there ringside. I know this is one of those nights that you wish you were back in NXT, uh, much like NXT TakeOver 30, which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a few moments. Um, but it's going to be a special night, one I'm looking forward no to. No doubt about it. You are lucky. I am jealous. I am excited. You're excited. Everybody is fired up. And I have to imagine the same can be said for our guest. He will be defending his NXT championship against four other competitors in a fatal five-way match in the main event of takeover in your house he's the champ he is carrying cross carrying how are you my friend very good thank you for having me thank you for taking the time out of your day out of your preparation before this fatal five-way uh you're a guest i've been wanting to get on the show for a long time you were sort of one of my white whales and we finally tracked it down <laughs> you got a big weekend on tap we got a lot to get to uh, about TakeOver in your house this weekend. But I want to start way back at the very beginning. I'm a fan of what you do. I've been open about this on social media. Anytime I get a chance to talk and gush about my favorite superstar in NXT right now, it's Karrion Cross. You had a hell of a journey to get to NXT. How did this all come to be? What made you decide that sports entertainment was the path you were going to follow in your life? Well, jokingly, I've always said as a kid, I, I've always felt like I was pre-programmed to, to be in love with this. Like the very first memory I ever had uh, was was of pro wrestling, was of sports entertainment. Um, it was Ultimate Warrior beating Hulk Hogan. Like the earliest memory I could possibly recall was that. And it was just the the energy and the spectacle of this whole thing. These, these two guys competing against each other in the center of the ring and this whole building full of people like a coliseum completely surrounding them all staring in one direction, all of the energy in one direction, it just imprinted on me. And it hit me in different levels as I grew up, what I was watching. Uh, you know, initially, like, like a lot of very big events in your life, it, it translates differently to your, your comprehension of what you saw changes as you develop, especially as a child into an adult. And I, I couldn't shake that that did something to me. And I was like, this is what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be a part of moments like this. It was just that simple for me. How old were you when you finally decided to take the plunge and, and the first step into entering this business? I was 27. And, I, I, and a lot of people have always said to me like, oh, you know, you got a little bit of a late start. And I, I've always kind of said like, 
one of the main reasons for that was I was fortunate enough to have um, a decent income. I, I had different occupations I could go to. I've always been very obsessive with anything that I wanted to do. So, you know, when I, when I took a job, I had a job, whether it was blue collar or white collar or whatever it was, bodyguarding, I wanted to be really good at this job. I wanted to be the best at this job. And um, you just come to find that in life, uh, money isn't everything. And I had, I had a good life before pro wrestling, before sports entertainment, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I really couldn't figure out what that was. And I, I don't know, I was just sitting around with my friends one day and they were like, if you could do this all over again, and they're like, what would you do? Like, what did you really want to do with your life? You know, we always have those conversations. Sure. Like when you were a kid, what did you want to do when you were a kid? And it was always this. And there was a wrestling school in Las Vegas. And I was like, what's the harm? What's the harm just going and, and just trying and figuring, you know, seeing if that's, that's what I want to do. And I knew right away, the first day I walked in, I was like, this, it's over. Like, this is going to take over my life. And sure enough, the first, the first month I started training, I was already doing shows. I was there five, six days a week. It was uh, Future Stars of Wrestling, FSW School in Las Vegas. It just took over. I mean, and the other thing, too, is had I tried to do this any sooner than 27, this would not have worked out because I was out of my mind. I was a very <laughs> wild, I was a really, really, really wild person. I would not have had the emotional stability to do this. Uh, so, yeah. You mentioned having some, some other jobs and bodyguarding. How did the sort of occupations you had prior to sports entertainment help shape or prepare you for this world? Because as you can now attest, there is no business on earth quite like this business. Completely. Well, uh, so I was in Toronto, Canada at the time. And, uh, I, I happened to be walking by a bar with my headphones in and they were throwing somebody out of the bar. I was like 19 years old. And they threw them into me and I happened to wear all black. I'm a metalhead. Right. So I was wearing black clothes. The bouncers are wearing black. It was a bar. You know, they weren't dressed up very well. It was black t-shirts and black jeans. And this guy got thrown into me and I turned to him and, uh, you know, I took my headphone out. And this guy was so hammered that he didn't know the difference of, of pedestrian and the person working <laughs> in the bar. So we're all wearing black. And uh, he starts trying to tell me how he's not drunk and he wants me to let him, you know, come back into the bar. And I tried to like in a very diplomatic way, just naturally diffuse the situation. He got violent with me. I had to handle him. And all the door guys are laughing because they're just watching this thing unfold. And like, the biggest guy came over who was pretty terrifying at the time. Story for another time. He comes up and he's like, hey, did you want a job? So I was like... <laughs> Too afraid to even say no at the time. I was looking up at him. He had tattoos all over his face. And I was like, sure, I'll have it. I'll take the job. Sure. <laughs> so he was like, just come down here tomorrow at 9 p.m. He's like, I saw your footwork. You obviously know what you're doing. You got to get head on your shoulders. Thanks for not telling me, guy. So like, that's just that, that one night um, and getting involved with bouncing and bar work at 19. That and just being a good human being and you meet people in the nightlife industry and that over the years, I went from just being an indoor bouncer to uh, a doorman into getting to know the communities that come out at night. People like your presentation, the way they, you know, you deal with people that talk to you, you get offered bodyguard work and then, you know, down the road, it became like a director of nightlife security operations for a few nightclubs in uh, the city of Las Vegas. And that just happened over like a 10 year period. So, and, just meeting people, um, you just naturally network and you find your way into different types of work. Um, so that's kind of how that whole thing happened. 
well, basically what you're telling me is that when it comes time for SummerSlam this year and I need some hookups in Vegas, you're going to be my go-to guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a long night. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you mentioned your, your ability to handle yourself even at the age of 19, got you this into this, this whole other underworld of, of Vegas nightlife. How did you reach that point? You obviously know how to handle yourself. Is this something you've been passionate about prior to entering the business? Uh, do you, what kind of training and background do you have as far as that goes? Yeah, so like uh, I came from a service family. Martial arts and sports combat uh, was kind of always part of our family culture. You know, my, my dad- Wake up, dad. Time for a guillotine. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lay down on the floor or show you something. Yeah, so it was like- <laughs> We we had we had wrestlers in the house. I have a lot of uncles. They all wrestled and boxed, and um, my grandfather boxed in the military. So um, that was just I just kind of grew up with that stuff being like around for a very long time. When I was little, I kind of thought that was like something everybody did. I had no idea, you know. It's just part of like what was going on. Um, there would be nights. Uh, I was born and raised in New York. There'd be nights where like I would go to sleep um, in my bed. And then I would wake up to the sound of like, it sounded like somebody was grabbing like a massive piece of meat and slamming it on the counter. My father had carried me from my bed to the car without waking me up through the winter. <laughs> and I would wake up in the gymnasium for 6 a.m. because he was either training or training people. And it was like, it was like a guy getting punched in the head with the headgear and the glove making that noise. Right. Or like somebody hitting a heavy bag, public enemy in the background, don't believe the hype, like... Welcome to the Terror Dome. It was just crazy. That was my life. I'd wake up there and I like have breakfast in the gym and there'd be tons of people around me just training and getting warmed up. It was just a different life. So that's a hell of a morning alarm. You were bred for this, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. It was a really cool and unique life. Very interesting time. Talk to me a little bit more about once you've broken into the business. You went to, to wrestling school, as so many of us do. I actually remember one of the first times I encountered you was backstage at WWE doing extra work. And I could always relate to that because that was something I did for years and years and years before WWE finally signed me as a wrestler. And it was such that I would show up and I knew everybody by name and people knew me and you have a rapport with everybody but you can't get what really matters. You're there for the contract. You need that official job. And I remember running into you from time to time. You always stood out because you're a big dude and you were always, you always carried yourself well. And, and I just remembered that, you know, and I was like, oh, this guy's cool. And then I, you know, you lose touch. You, I stopped seeing you for a while. And then you start popping up everywhere but WWE. And it was really weird because I remember looking going, oh man, that dude, I, I saw something back then, but you went and you kind of took a hard left turn and created your own path. Talk to me about that aspect of your career. So I, I, I grew up on, uh, I'm going to call it, we'll coin this phrase, televised wrestling. I really was not aware of independent wrestling. I would have been, I mean, I was a fan. I would be more closer to describe as uh, the casual viewing audience, right? When I got involved with this and I went to the school, I had somewhat of an idea that there was independent wrestling. And I was like, okay, in my mind, I'm thinking, in order to improve enough to get on television, I probably need to go to school and I probably need to do these independent shows. Once everything's clean enough, I'm thinking that the company is going to contact me or I'm going to contact the company and send in some footage. That was my original concept of like how I would get hired here. Obviously, it's a lot more complicated than that, but... Um, I had started trying to get into these tryouts. I think the very first one I went to, I'm positive the first one I went to was Columbus, Ohio. And you were there for that. That okay. was when, yeah. So that that's where we had first met. And that was the very first one I went to. And then I began uh, the, the background work following that as well. 
So I've had like an ongoing uh, correspondence from time to time with Canyon Seaman over the years. And that guy was just dead straight honest with me from day one. Um, very, very grateful for his, for his advice and, um, and, and sort of the direction he put me in. He basically just told me flat out, he's like, look, because of the way you look um, and, be, and because of a variety of other reasons, um, you know, and you're not over right now, you, 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 people don't know who you are. This is six, seven years ago. He's like, it would be a disservice uh, to, to bring you in for what I think you could be, for what I see in you, for the potential that you have. These are the things that you need to do before we get back to this and take this seriously. And I was, I'm so grateful that he said that because that's what I went and I did. I was like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get over. And um, I just, I just didn't understand what they needed out of me, what they needed to see. So I just spent the next like six years after that going everywhere I possibly could. Immediately after that conversation, I contacted uh, Antonio Inoki in Japan and I went to Japan. And I was doing like uh, the shoot work stuff. Uh, okay. IGF, IGF no Genome yeah. Federation. That was amazing. First time I ever went to Japan. I was almost considering like moving there and staying there. I love the culture there. Wow, the amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I eventually found my way uh, with Conan and Vampiro and uh, Krista Joseph with uh, Lucha Underground and going to Mexico. I stayed out there periodically for a couple of years. And somehow I never met your brother there, but I did meet him. I was about to ask you about that. I mean, I, I'm more so curious because after talking to my brother, my brother's a big guy. My brother's six foot four, uh, 260 pounds, something like that. To me, it, he looks uh, awkward, out of place in a lot of these lucha rings because the style and just the, the nonstop motion to me, I'm like, wait, you're that, you shouldn't be able to move like that for a guy your size. Was that something you kind of experienced? Uh, yes. So when I, when I, when I went there, I was like, I loved Lucha Libre growing up. Like, uh, I mean, but, uh, Conan and Vampiro basically told me at the time, they're like, we want you to be the alternative to what we have here. We have an abundance of the greatest Lucha stores in the world. This is the Mecca of Lucha Libre. We want you to come in. Um, and we want you to be you. And we're going to create things around that based on what you're able to do. And this, this is going to be something different on the card. So I stayed down there for years and um, it was crazy. We, we were building to something where it was an undefeated streak. So I, I had been pinned or submitted in Mexico for, I want to say over three years. Yeah, it was crazy. And we were looking, we were collectively looking for the right guy in order to do that. Um, we we're going to do it at a, at, a, at a big event and it, it was going to mean something. You know what I mean? This is, this is something big, right? Um, and it just never happened. So we wound up moving on to somewhere else, but it was an amazing experience. I got to go everywhere in Mexico. It was an incredible time um, to engage the culture, to be on the road with the guys, to learn. Um, I have like my own little family in that locker room down there. So it was really cool. It's, it's wild to me to hear this story. And it's kind of like your real life of talking about how you networked to get these different jobs. It's same thing in this world, the world of professional wrestling. You have to do the same thing. And your networking found you in Japan, Mexico, you know, all these different places as well. It's very interesting to find out the correlations. Yeah. When Jenner and I met in Japan, uh, Mason Ryan was there as well on that tour. Great guy. Miss, I miss Mason Ryan, man. What, what a human being. Another yes. Las Vegas hookup for your graves when you go. That's out right. There for- That's true. <laughs> I want to go see Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> yeah. 
Jinder, uh, Jinder had actually put me on course to meet with Kali, and then he had put me on an India tour. I think we had worked in front of 40,000 people outdoors. That was an incredible experience. Wow. As you said, the networking stuff, you know, I'm like a very big believer. If, if you're a good human being and you allow that to just, to just be, I mean, what we do for a living is so much projection. You know, all of us have a radar for people who project. So, you know, when, when you're putting on this deal, you know, and a lot of people do it in society, not in a malicious way. They just don't know any better. Um, you know, it, it, it makes you want to go the other way. If you're just cool and you just be yourself and there's other people around you that are doing that, you guys vibe together. And I just, I have been very fortunate to be around people who are comfortable with themselves that over time gave me a shot to step up to the plate and swing. Uh, Jinder was another one of those guys. By this point, you're now, you've got international experience. You're starting to make some waves here in the United States around the Nashville region. What finally led to Karrion Cross arriving in NXT? So I'm watching everything that WB is doing week to week. And I just got to, um, I got to a point personally with myself um, where I just, I kind of, I felt like I was getting complacent with staying away from WWE. Uh, I felt like I was getting a little too comfortable uh, forgetting about, not forgetting about, but putting, putting the main goal of where all this started and what I wanted to do in the back seat. And I was like, not in a non-pretentious way. I know that I'm over because they're, they're putting me on all the posters of the shows. I'm main eventing all of these shows that I'm doing. I'm getting excellent feedback on the independence. You're, you're at the merch table. It's a different sort of culture. So I'm getting real feedback from people face to face. You know, you, you guys being in the business, like, People reaching out to you, telling them that your performances are, are changing their life or, or promos that you would cut, uh, help them battle through something going on. I'm making real connections with human beings. And there's a major, there was just a major difference before I got here from what was going on with fan engagement versus what was going on when I first got started. I was like, there's something here. And no matter what, you can feel like you can do this. But unless you show people that you can do this at the highest level, it doesn't make a difference. Right. It was that moment where I realized I was like, there's no reason why I shouldn't be trying to go to WWE. I don't know what I'm doing here. I got to get this figured out. I got to, this is where I need to be. And so I put all my attention and focus into getting back here um, in the way that I originally wanted to be. And here we are. Well, there's a lot to say about, and you guys are both touching on it, creating and making your own opportunities in life. You know, there's something to be said for that. We've all done it. There, there's, we've all taken different avenues to get here, and it's because we've all opened the door. You've opened the door to go all over the world. You've opened the door to get here, as you just mentioned. And every stop of your career, and including what you just talked about, how has all these individual moments transformed into who the Carrion Cross persona is now that you've arrived? So while I was not here in WWE, I wanted to take advantage of character presentations, ideas, and concepts from film entertainment and things that I loved in, in sports entertainment that perhaps I would not have been able to do um, here in WWE. Just would not have have kind of like fit into what they created here. You know, Killer Cross, for instance. Um, I wanted to go in that direction because that felt uh, I don't know, just felt very extreme, for lack of better words. Um, I, I really didn't know if the stuff that I was doing outside of here was going to translate or I was going to be able to bring it with me, but it was still something that I wanted to do creatively. 
when I got here, I had felt more well-rounded as a performer than when I had started. And I just found a way to translate what I was doing um, and bring it with me anyways. Um, I feel like if, if Killer Cross was some crazy madman out on the street after midnight, um, I feel like carrying cross now would sort of be like the God mode of, of, uh, who killer cross was. If he had that Thanos club for in layman's terms. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's, it's very eloquently put. Uh, let's fast forward a little bit. Now you have arrived in NXT. We know that carrying cross the character will debut, uh, now for the first time, the majority of the WWE universe gets to lay eyes on carrying cross and I'd be remiss to not mention the other part of the package, that being Scarlet. How important has Scarlet been to the presentation of Carrie and Cross on screen and off? And how much influence has she had into helping you get to where you're at right now? So right off the bat, I would say, personally and professionally, while her and I think very much alike, we both complement each other in, in the opposite directions as well. I mean, personally, uh, she's the love of my life. I have found, a, man, especially during the pandemic period, I didn't see my family um, in almost two years. The first people I'm telling that actually to publicly. It's been rough, you know. Um, so having her with me during this time period has been like immeasurably important. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> there's <laughs> no big that. deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Professionally, we, we work really well together. And, I, and I'm saying this uh, respectfully. While she hasn't been in the ring for 10 years, she has 10 years in the business. A lot of people don't realize that. She's been she's been in and around and working with television wrestling for 10 years. So she understands um, a lot of things that wouldn't probably occur to most people, per se, um, for a shorter time period. When Scarlett and I are collaborating on ideas, if I'm uh, creatively blocked, uh, she's able to kind of segue in and basically kind of like help me bridge where I can't pick up off of. We're not butting heads or, you know, like it's just, she, she knows what it all is. She can see it and anything that she's given, she just crushes. And it's, I, I, we're, we're her and I are always so surprised how cohesive this actually works all the time. Um, it just works really, really well. It does. It, it's, it's, I would dare say essential to one another because it, it's such a, a package deal since the first time we saw you. And every time we see you, she is by your side. And, and it's very cool to hear that the background that she has, it, it adds an element of truth to what you see. And what's presented on screen is that she is, she's always got Carrie and Cross's back, regardless of what's happening. But then to know that it's all based in truth and based in reality makes the whole thing even cooler, in my opinion. Totally. A lot of our, a lot of our uh, entertainment interests as, as well are very similar in terms of like retro horror. I mentioned the show Natural Born Killers that we did, but um, the, the movie itself, Natural Born Killers. Mickey and Mallory Knox. <laughs> that's playing into that stuff. We're both, uh, we're both like, you know, musical nerds as well. We love like theater and stuff like that. So Repo the Genetic Opera, if you ever remember that one. Really? Oh, yeah. There's, there's accents of that and Hellraiser and some of the presentation that we do. Dark City was another one. Very, very cool. I'm glad you brought up Hellraiser because, to be fair, we had this conversation a little bit ago that everyone thought I was odd because as a six-year-old, I was watching Freddy, Jason, and Lack of Horror, RoboCop. But then they're like, oh, that, that actually explains a lot, Vic, about actually how you've molded into who you are these days. I don't see anything wrong with it. You're a ghoul, Vic. Uh, not a <laughs> ghoul? What, I, mean, what a- I mean, I think you— <laughs> 
<laughs> you are a walking definition of a ghoul. Well, Cross, I got to ask you this. The, the thing that stands out in my mind and Vix, NXT, I'm fast forwarding through a lot of stuff uh, just for time purposes. So we'll, we'll definitely have to do this again to really continue this deep dive. I've only had the opportunity to call one carry and cross match. That being NXT TakeOver 30, where you dethroned Keith Lee to become NXT champion for the first time. Incredible match, the atmosphere, the energy, pandemic era, very, very crazy. In that matchup, you suffered an injury that would lead to you having to vacate the NXT championship. What is going through Karrion Cross's mind? A, when the bell rings and you are declared champion. B, I want to know if you knew you were hurt. And C, what the realization felt like that you just came from the pinnacle to the bottom. Time slowed down. Time slowed down. I, I felt like I had like 50 years of thinking going on for the next 10 minutes in my head. I was thinking about so much. So when it, when it first immediately happened uh, and, I, and I hit the canvas, I didn't think it was that bad. But then, you know, I, I went to grab it. I was like, what was that? You know, how many times do we hit the canvas and, you know, like we know what the canvas is. It's not great. Right. <laughs> but it's not great. But, you know, it's you, you, you build a relationship with the canvas for a lack of better words. That's a great way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. How do you get beat up 300 days a year? Well, you learn to build a relationship with the canvas. Perfect. Yeah. So that, you know, that that happened. And I, I land and I and I and I grabbed it. And as soon as I grabbed it, I felt something sticking out. And I got, I was so mad. I was so mad. I think, I think I was like, we're, how deep into this, this is happening right now. So you knew in, in the, the as the match was going on, that something was wrong. Yeah. Okay. So for our standpoint, we had no idea when yeah, we find out fair, after yeah. the fact, I was like, are you kidding me? That dude just went 30 minutes with a one arm. What the? <laughs> yeah, I was I, I grabbed it. I tried to push it back in. I, the thing I was most concerned about was that <laughs> this is going to sound so crazy to people. People see this. Some people will see this. It's their it's their first impression of Karrion Cross um, when he when he got to WWE. I was like, they're thinking that I just showed up and I'm in this match. It's not true. I have I have put years into getting into that one match, and I was not going to let anything at all stop that from happening. And yeah, that's, that's what you saw. I, I, I tried my best. Try your best. I don't even know where to go from <laughs> there, dude, because no apologies to, needed, man. <laughs> to, because to what we talked about, we didn't know. And we were sitting in this little perch looking down and we had no clue. 30 minutes. It's not like Keith Lee's 150 pounds. You know, it's not yeah. like he's 190 pounds. This is someone with one arm that is over three bills that you're just tossing around, you know, gingerly, by the way, with one freaking arm. I mean, it was unbelievable to be there in that moment for that crowning moment for you on that night. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the aftermath, I'm, <laughs> I was like trying to figure out what I could still do with it, uh, you know, by the end of it. So I, I raised the title with the, with the shoulder that was was separated just, just as a see how fine i am <laughs> <laughs> you know the shows the sh once the show is over we're out the cameras are off i was like ah, i wonder how bad it is and hunter and <laughs> is walking walking down the stage towards me and the look on his face uh it was like he just saw a guy like get hit by a car and explode you know you think crazy things in the right place. right you don't want to let it go wild things <laughs> yeah yeah you don't want to let it go and so, and then we just kind of, we, we entered into that period of recovery. So I took all the energy I put into training and chasing this into recovery and, 
and uh, God willing, we compressed that time to get back pretty quick. You compressed it all right because I was there for that journey, and it was amazing. I saw you. I go, wait, 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 what's going on? And we're like, oh, he's he went through rehab super quick. What was that rehab process like for you, knowing where you wanted to get back to? Uh, psychologically, it was difficult. I had to take it one day at a time. You know, just the realization that like what you love to do, you just like you can't do this for for a period of time. And, uh, you know, it was probably the most important match of your career. And then all of a sudden you just have to completely turn around and just, you know, put the car in park. So that, that was rough, but physically, um, I would go see WB medical four to five days a week. And then I would go home and I would just research all day and listen to testimonials from other people who had the injury. And I would listen to what they did. And then I would look up uh, like really high level athletes that were in the Olympics or in the NFL, see if they had the injury and see if they went back to playing or competing, which they did. So that helped me kind of be like, all right, well, like human beings were very like if if one person figured out how to do it, that means to me that another person can You just got to put your time and energy and you have to put your faith into the process. So um, I would come home and I would continue doing rehab at my house. I just rehab nonstop, to be honest with you. I had I, I was icing my shoulder probably eight times a day, um, and I ate as clean as I possibly could. And you came back months ahead of schedule. Yes, I, I believe. Right? I mean, it yep. was unbelievable to see you come back that fast. There, there was like a series of different time frames as to when they thought I could come back, and for whatever reason. Um, they were leaning towards like nine to 12 months. And when they told me that I broke a full body sweat, I was like, I don't know, man. I, I was, I was concerned about a lot of things. I was like, I don't know how my body's going to respond to being in the ring again with, with how it is now. That was pretty terrifying to think about. Um, but to be sidelined that long, just like coming off of that, where I, where I was in my career, I was very like, I was concerned. Um, but like I said, just every day, I just took it day by day. What can I do today to improve the immediate situation? I can't get caught up on where I'm going to land in things. That's not going to produce any sort of like positive results. It's going to put me in a really bad place psychologically. So I just focused on the day until I got to the day I wanted to be in. <laughs> so that's how that worked. Well, you were able to reclaim your throne at the top of the NXT mountain, which leads us to this weekend, this coming Sunday, NXT takeover in your house. You were defending against four of the top sports entertainers walking the planet Earth. What are your thoughts going into this matchup and how excited are you? I'm pumped. I mean, this is the this is basically like the the Mount Rushmore of NXT all in one match. It sure you know? is. Definitely. I mean, it's the best of the best. And I'm just very excited. I got to be honest with you. Anything can happen, as the company says, as the story goes. And uh, there's a very good chance everything will happen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> you take a look at the the superstars that are in, in, in this matchup. And one name that pops out to me is, is Johnny Gargano because he's worn the NXT championship. Uh, Adam Cole has worn the NXT championship. What does it mean to you to represent the brand NXT coming into not only this NXT takeover on Sunday, but what does it mean to be NXT champion? Well, to me, NXT has always been the face of the future. I, I really, truly believe that. I believe that anyone that's going to do anything in WWE for the future to, to, 
to be the next John Cena, to be the next Roman Reigns, the next Steve Austin, the next Rock. I mean, that that whole lineup of people, I mean, I feel like these people are going to come from NXT. That's what I truly believe. And um, I feel like NXT, I mean, if, if you're not willing to meet the standard there, and the standard is very high, and it gets higher and higher and higher every every few months or so, there's a lot of hungry people there. Uh, you're going to get swallowed up. I mean, it forces you to be the best version of yourself. You got to find it. Even when you think you're the best version of yourself, you got to dig a little bit deeper and you got to find more. That's what that place does. That's what that place does to you. So I'm very excited to see how far we're all going to be willing to go. And we got to mention the other part of that equation is also Pete Dunn and Kyle O'Reilly again, as we've already mentioned, in your house, NXT TakeOver, uh, this Sunday streaming live on Peacock. Cross, before I let you go, I got to have a little fun. Looking at the horizon of your career here in WWE, beyond the walls of NXT, who has Karrion Cross's attention for a potential showdown one of these days? How many people? <laughs> you, r- rifle them off, dude. <laughs> right off, right off the, the top of my head, I'm going to say Drew McIntyre and Bray Wyatt. Love it. Ooh, love see, it. this is the part now where Corey plants the seed of, hey, man, love to see you on Raw one day. Love to get a call more of your matches. And I have to sit here and go, no. You've had him long you enough. You can't Vic. have all the toys. Yes. Crosses NXT. I want new toys. Black and gold. I'm not talking about dolls. I want actual ass-kicking toys on Monday Night Raw. I want Karrion Cross making it public. But I might have to wait to get what I want. Anyway, Karrion Cross. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, man. I enjoyed the hell out of this. Hopefully we can do it again. Good luck this Sunday. Thank you very much. Vic, I got to be perfectly honest. I was a big fan of Karrion Cross prior to that conversation, but after the fact, exponentially more. I know this is someone that you have been wanting on the show, as you already mentioned, uh, for a long time. So it was cool to have him on. It was nice to learn a new side of him, I think, if you're a listener to the show. And again, I'm very interested to see him in ring with four other superstars on Sunday. It's going to be, uh, well, it's going to be a train wreck. It's going to be Human Demolition Derby, if you will. Thanks to us here at ATB. Head to Ticketmaster.com. Use the password ATB. Thursday, June 17th, 10 a.m. Pacific time. You can get your SummerSlam tickets a full day before the rest of the WWE universe. Do not miss it. And as always, keep sending your questions on Twitter using the hashtag AskATB. Keep filling up the mailbag. It's at the point where it's starting to overflow. We will get to those in the very near future. Follow us at AfterTheBellWWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find him at Vic Joseph WWE. Listen to ATB for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're using Spotify, just search after the bell. Hit that follow button, please. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit the plus sign on the ATB page and you'll never miss an episode. By the way, while you're there, throw us that ever so important five-star rating. Leave us a review. It helps spread the word of the greatest sports entertainment podcast on the planet. You can keep up with all the WWE podcasts in the WWE Podcast Network at WWE Podcasts. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.